Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Friday, December 17th. Coming up on the show today, we will take a look at the monstrous matchup in basketball at Bridgestone Arena between Memphis and Tennessee. We'll take a victory lap around the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer, but we begin with an in-depth look at how the Titans should go about attacking the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. I just want to remind you guys, of course, of the Kingston Group. You know I do it every single morning. These folks are award-winning, locally-owned, custom home and remodeling firm. The best people in the business in Nashville, of course, the home industry. Slammed right now in this market, but you need to make smart decisions for your home, for your family, and for your bank accounts. And that's where the Kingston Group comes in. Check out their website. Have a conversation with them. BuildKG.com. Just talk with them. I guarantee you will learn something. You will be a smarter homeowner because of it, whether you use them or not. BuildKG.com. Remember the name, the Kingston Group. The Tennessee Titans will go for their second straight win when they travel to face the Pittsburgh Steelers at noon on Sunday in the Steel City. It could also feature the Titans' second consecutive AFC South Division Championship if they can win and the Colts lose to the Patriots. Although, the Titans are actually battling the Patriots for the one seed, so fans probably should be rooting for the Colts to win in a weird twist of fate. Their chances of winning the division don't change much at all with a Colts win, but the Titans' chances of getting the one seed all but disappear with a Colts loss, even if it does come with the division championship. The Colts are a two-point favorite over the Patriots at home. Now that you know what's at stake, this will be the eighth meeting for the Titans against the playoff team from last year, and Tennessee is currently 7-0 and in those games. An 8-0 record would tie the undefeated 2007 Patriots for the best record in such games in modern NFL history. And maybe, just maybe, Bud Dupree will be back to face his former team. The star-free agent was designated to return from IR this week, but his actual timetable remains to be seen. With this defensive unit coming off one of the best games of the season last week and getting healthier across the board at nearly every position, the return of Dupree should just be icing on the cake and should not be rushed because of sentimental reasons. Either way, this should not be the side of the ball to worry about. The Steelers are 23rd in yards per play on offense, 22nd in scoring offense, 28th in rushing offense, and 26th in yards per passing attempt. This group is slightly better in key situations. Pittsburgh has been solid on third downs and in the red zone, so Big Ben is still getting the job done in critical situations. But this unit isn't moving the ball with any consistency or big playability. So the Titans' defense should be in good position to turn this game into a backyard brawl, as Titans coach Mike Vrabel often wants to do. It's the other side of the ball that could create some problems for the Titans, in particular the offensive line in Ryan Tannehill. The Steelers are second in the NFL in sacks, and only Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson have taken more sacks this season than Tannehill, many of them on him and his pre-snap recognition or lack thereof. The Steelers are among the league's best teams at pressuring the quarterback, and Tannehill, coordinator Todd Downing, the offensive line, and the running game will need to be ready for an all-out assault especially for an offense that will still be without A.J. Brown and a lot of uncertainty around how much big playability Julio Jones has in just his second game back from an injury. Surprisingly, this is where getting back to the basics for the Titans, like they did last week against the Jaguars, and winning ugly plays right into their favor. Pittsburgh is 30th in the NFL in rushing defense and dead last giving up five yards per carry on the season. The Titans ran it for 270 yards against the Patriots two weeks ago and topped 100 yards against both the Texans and the Jaguars. Some combination of Dante Foreman, Jeremy McNichols, and Dontrell Hilliard, who combined for 29 touches from scrimmage against Jacksonville last weekend, need to be the tip of the spear for this offense. 
Hell, mix in some design quarterback runs, maybe a trick play or two, and allow Ryan Tannehill to play a conservative, mistake-free game plan. Because if this team does protect the football, they can easily go into Pittsburgh and clinch a division title. But as we've seen all season, when Tannehill is asked to do too much and turns the ball over, this team can lose to anyone, especially a hard-nosed, experienced team like the Steelers at home, even if they are not the same old Steelers. As far as injuries go, the same seven guys who didn't practice on Wednesday are the same seven who didn't practice on Thursday. Roger Saffold, T.R. Tart, David Long, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Dane Cruikshank, Laurel Murchison, and Torrey Carter were all out. Otherwise, this team's overall health finally seems to be trending in the right direction at exactly the right time, and that should give Vrabel and his coaching staff lots of flexibility this Sunday against Pittsburgh. The Titans are currently a slight one-point favorite. Urban Meyer has a long and infamous history, two different histories. One as one of the greatest college football coaches of all time, winning national championships at two different programs. And the other, the disingenuous, lying, controversial cover-up artist who doesn't understand how to express normal human emotions. And that was before he became the head coach in Jacksonville. Sadly, the Jaguars fired Meyer early Thursday morning before he even finished one full season in the NFL. So now there is a third history. Meyer's complete and epic failure as an NFL head coach. Shocking. Sure, there's the 2-11 record, the negative 160-point differential, and the 31st-ranked offense in the league. But that's not really why Urban Meyer was fired. He was fired because he's Urban Meyer. In less than one calendar year on the job, here is what he accomplished off of the field. Meyer violated NFL practice rules, resulting in a fine. He hired someone being sued for racist behavior who had been fired for that behavior and then had to fire him for it. He was caught on video slipping a hand in some rando's crevices at a bar in Ohio while his team flew back to Florida. He openly talked about the vaccination status of individual players on his team. He got into an altercation with multiple players. He berated his coaching staff privately and publicly and was largely incoherent during press conferences for most of the season. So like I said, he was Urban Meyer. And I, for one... I'm sort of sad to see him go, for two reasons, I guess. Number one, he's great content, and number two, he's great for the Titans. Jacksonville will be a dumpster fire as long as he's in charge down there, but no longer. Maybe the Jags have a chance. But number two, he probably will get another opportunity to either be a head college football coach or be on our TV screens again, both of which make me want to throw up in my mouth. This guy's a loser, not on the college football gridiron, but in life. He's a giant douchebag who's lied, cheated, and stolen his way to some of the biggest jobs in all of sports, all while putting some people's health and safety at risk. And people just keep giving him chances, despite an obvious pattern of behavior that my freaking five-year-old understands is pretty awful. I just hope some athletic director or program director at some big program or big network doesn't give this creep another chance. Good riddance, Urban. Hate to see you go. Don't let the door hit you where you know you're not supposed to put your hands. Saturday is a big day for SEC hoops in the state of Tennessee. Memphis and Tennessee will meet at Bridgestone Arena at 11 a.m. Central Time to renew the state's greatest and most important basketball rivalry, with all due respect to Belmont and Lipscomb, of course. The Vols are 8-2, ranked in the top 20, and, are, and as are deep and talented as any Volunteers team has been in recent memory. This might be Rick Barnes' most physically gifted team yet. Memphis, a preseason top 20 team led by the nation's number one recruiting class, has been disappointing so far at 6-4. However, Penny Hardaway's bunch is coming off their best game of the season, a home stomping of a top-10 Alabama team on Tuesday night. 
So the stage is set, a neutral court in the state capital, roughly equal distance between Memphis and Knoxville, with two supremely talented basketball teams with very high expectations. No, it's not close to the number one versus number two matchup at the FedEx Forum in 2008 between John Calipari and Bruce Pearl, but it's pretty damn close and basically the next best thing. And here's the weird part. Outside of this game or any other time they face each other, both fan bases should be rooting for the other one to be good. This state is on fire. It is electric when both Memphis and Tennessee are good at basketball. That 1-2 matchup is historically epic and remembered, not because of just how close and dramatic the game was. Sure, that part was great, but it's because they were the top two teams in the nation. Basketball in this state is awesome right now. And absolutely, Vanderbilt and Jerry Stackhouse could do a little bit more to carry their weight in all of this. Sure, it can't truly be at its best until the Commodores are good as well. But Belmont, Tennessee, Memphis, the Lady Vols are all relevant and very good programs right now. And only when all of these teams are good can this state truly be at its best on the hard court. Saturday, I expect the atmosphere at Bridgestone Arena to be spectacular. As far as on-the-court matchups go, let's bring in Josh Ward of WNML in Knoxville to help break down just how big of a physical test this will be for the Volunteers. I think it is. Uh, Let's see how Tennessee matches up. I expect that Memphis responds. I I thought going into the week, okay, if if the Tigers are going to turn things around, if the light's going to come on in terms of the way that they play, not necessarily the results of the game, but do they look more locked in together? Well, then it's going to be against a couple of top 10 to 20 teams from the SEC, especially one in state in the game coming up on Saturday. We saw that against Alabama. A lot of the Tennessee conversation begins with Kennedy Chandler. There's a Memphis connection, by the way. Well, let's see how he matches up against a veteran point guard on Memphis's side. And then Jalen Duran, I thought he just looked physically imposing against Alabama. Okay, let's see how Tennessee responds there. You have a veteran in John Fulkerson. You have a young player in Brandon Huntley Hatfield who we've been talking about a lot in Knoxville, what is his role moving forward? How much can he help Tennessee's basketball team? Because his potential is sky high. It would rank very high on Tennessee's roster. And then Josiah Jordan-James, uh, he's going to matter so much. So, yeah, that physical matchup, we come, Kennedy Chandler, Huntley Hatfield, Josiah Jordan-James, talking about the highest-rated guys when they arrived at Tennessee, how will they respond in this game? That was Josh Ward of WNML in Knoxville. And, yes, I think – When you watch this Memphis team against Alabama, you saw the pure, athletic, God-given ability, and Tennessee's got more of that than it's had in the past, but this will probably be physically their biggest test to date, despite the record that Memphis is carrying into this game. I cannot wait. It is going to be absolutely awesome. Special thanks to the Kingston Group, of course, for bringing you the 440 every single morning. They are Nashville's award-winning, locally-owned, custom home and remodeling firm. BuildKG.com is the website. Before you make any big decisions about your house, make sure you talk to the great people over at the Kingston Group. That's buildkg.com. Thank you guys all for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Make sure you're checking out all the other great pods here on the 440 Sports Network. Fringe Element for SEC football, the gold standard for Predators hockey, club and country for Nashville SC, and Lamestream Sports out today on Friday with special guest Jeff Perlman. All of that, of course, right here on the 440 Sports Network. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product. This has been the 440 for Friday, December 17th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.